everybody, welcome back to The Hustle. It's John Lamoureux. Okay, this week we get to hear from another one of those wonderful multi-hyphenates. Producer slash mixer slash engineer, the fantastic Julian Mendelssohn. Now, if you were like me and you were paying attention to British pop and alternative music of the 80s specifically, you would have seen Julian's name everywhere. All kinds of great big music from that era had his name on it, passed through his name. Much like uh, Dave Bascom, who we had on last year. Very similar story. So let me tell you, some of the bands that we talk about in here that uh, you're gonna be hearing stories about are the Pet Shop Boys, Level 42, Tasman Archer, Paul McCartney, uh, Frankie Goes to Hollywood. He did the final mix on Relax that turned it into the hit that it became. There's Yes, there's ABC. Now, if you're connecting the dots, that means there was a tight Trevor Horn connection there. He worked with Trevor for many years. That's where a lot of those things come in. You know how much I like Trevor. Uh, Kate Bush. Let's see. Killing Joke. I have to go for my notes because there's so many. Go West, Pseudo Echo, Fine Young Cannibals, Peter Gabriel. We talk about Talk Talk. We talk about Aztec Camera. Tons of stuff in here that I think you guys will like if you were paying attention. Now, <laughs> kind of like with Dave too, uh, he doesn't remember everything. In some cases, I remember more, more about his uh, career than he does. And in some cases, he plays, he's looking, oh, did I do that? And he'll look for it on in iTunes while we're talking and he'll listen to it for a minute. Oh yeah, okay, I think maybe I do remember this one. So it's a little sloppy, it's a little all over the place, but the guy's a legend and he's worked on so much fantastic music that I thought, what the heck? Let's just let it play out and you guys can hear and be reminded of all these fantastic songs. The biggest one is probably this one right here, the Pet Shop Boys version of Always On My Mind. That was the Christmas number one in the UK in 1987. And if you're a Yank and you don't know, the Christmas number one every year is a very big deal in the UK. So the, he's done so much and I just thought it would be fantastic to hear from him. He's actually Australian. But he moved to the UK as a teenager, and that's where he sort of did a lot of his work. But uh, he, he's now back in Australia. So he called me from his home in Melbourne. All right, yes. well, so um, it might be best, honestly, Julian, if we talk about the things you're working on now so that they don't get short shrift later. So you mentioned that's having, yeah, you mentioned being semi-retired. What is it that you do today down there in Melbourne? Uh, well, I, I do a bit of work. I'm not full-time work like I was years ago. And uh, at this moment, I'm mixing an album for a bloke, uh, a drummer called Phil Gould. Yeah. Who was in a band the uh, uh, called Level 42. I love Level 42. I've had Mike Lindup on here. They're one of my all-time favorites. I was just speaking to Mike yesterday, funnily enough. Really? <laughs> yeah. Isn't that strange? He's the best. <laughs> I haven't spoken to him for months and months, and then <laughs> I gave him a ring yesterday. He's in Saudi Arabia doing the Michael Jackson stage thing or something. Really? Because he's the musical director. Oh, mm. I didn't know that. Okay. Anyway, so there's a coincidence. Anyway, Phil's been doing this record for quite a few years, I believe. He just... Uh, I actually rang him... Uh, I actually emailed him a, uh, late last year because I'd heard one of his, um, I think he put a, a link to one of his uh, albums on Facebook and I, mm. 
I had a listen to it and thought, oh, that's really, really great stuff. So I emailed him and said, could I have a cup, uh, could I have a CD of it? And he said, yeah, I've done two CDs like this. I'll send them to you. And by the way, would you be interested in mixing my other album that I've been on for a long time? And I said, yeah, of course. Mm. I mean, it has been quite a long project. We started, uh, well, he spent years recording it. And I've spent, uh, we started beginning of March mixing it. It's only 11 tracks. Mm. Some tracks really quick to mix, some tracks very, very long-winded, but um, quality stuff. Yeah. Is that typical for an album to take that long? I, I don't know, I don't know from a technical perspective how difficult it is to do mixing. I don't know if there's something you're shooting for, if there's, you know, why would it take that long? Uh, because, well, partly because he's on the other side of the world, mm. so I'll send him... Like this, uh, later this afternoon, I'll send him what I've done to this particular track, the, the last track of the album, and he'll come come back to me with some notes, and then we'll have a discussion about it, and I'll fix the little bits that he's not happy with. Mm -hmm. We've already done this a few, three times with this particular track. So, you know, if he was here and with me on the computer uh, mixing, he'd just say, look, we just need that up a bit, or we need a bit of EQ on that. Uh, so it'll be much quicker. But so there's a there's a bit of a delay, you know. I'll get his notes. I'll have to do the work, send it to him while he's asleep. He wakes up in the morning, you know, and yeah. on and on it goes. So it does take a bit of time. Okay, what's uh, you know, level, as I mentioned, Level Forty Two are one of my all time favorite bands. Mike Lindup is our most popular episode of all, and we've been doing this for almost five years. Yeah, he was yeah, kind enough. He's the best, and he was kind enough to put our episode on his on the Level Forty Two website, and so it just got downloaded, you know, hundreds of times oh, a day. Right. Yeah, excellent. So I know you guys have a history. Tell me, let's talk about that history. I think you were brought in around the time of World Machine, and you stuck around yeah. for Running in the Family and um, uh, Staring at the Sun. That's it, Staring at the Sun. I remember the song, yeah. Heaven in My Hands," but not the name of the album. And um, yeah. so, how what? Why you? Why did you connect with them? What were you bringing to the table? Can't remember how it came about, actually. Oh. I'm just trying to think. It was a long time. It was in, uh, 84, 85, I think. Yeah, yeah. And I think, I don't know, maybe it's because I'd done something that had been uh, successful or i just trying to think how that one came about, whether it was through somebody or whether it was just by reputation, I'm really not sure. Okay, okay. What made you, but, what uh, kind of chemistry did you guys have? Oh, we all got on so well. You know, Mark can be a little bit scary because he's quite, uh, you know, he's quite full on and opinionated. He's a lovely bloke, mm -hmm. uh, Mark King this is, and uh, very fair with the band you know, and doesn't try and take all the limelight, even though he's an amazing bass player. But they're, they're all amazing musicians. That, you yeah. know, you couldn't ask for more fluent musicians than any of the guys in Level 42, all, all incredible. It wasn't, wasn't a matter of could they play something, it was a matter of what to play. Yeah, yeah. You know, there was no that. technical problem playing any, anything, really. Um, so, uh, yeah, it was a, it was an amazing experience to work with 
you know, everybody in the band being that that good on, on their instruments. Yeah. When you look back at Level 42, is there one of the a song that you worked on that you are especially proud of or you think, you know what, I, I fixed something and that's why it's a hit or I've always liked this one thing that I did. Give us an example. What should we play right here to show? I wish I had the... If I had the track list over for World Machine, there was... Uh, there was an amazing track that I was just so proud of. It was a ballad, I think. Uh, leaving I'm... Me Now. Um, leaving what? Me Now, yeah. 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 Fantastic. Very, very proud of that. And there was also one on Running in the Family. And I think that was a ballad too, actually. It's over. It's over. That's yeah. the one. When you come home I'm sorry if you don't understand Forgive me if you can But I can see another road And I ain't coming <laughs> I'm telling you, Julian, I know a lot about you and I know a lot about the people you've worked with. Um, you know more than me, probably. <laughs> <laughs> maybe. So let's talk uh, about Libby, uh, Leaving Me Now specifically because that's one of my favorite songs ever. And the thing I love most about it is the piano coda at the end of the version that's on the album. Mike's playing at the end of that song, just when it all, all the rest of the sound comes away and you just hear him on the piano. It's one of the most beautiful things I've ever heard. And it's not on the single version. He and I talked about this. Is a, is something like that a decision that you made? As the mixer, are you the one that's like, guys, listen to this. I think hang we on, have something. Hang on. It, it might have been my idea, but I wouldn't say definitely it was my idea. The fading out of the drums and the piano by itself. Yeah. Uh, you know, we all worked as a team on these okay. records. Everybody had their little bits. Uh, so I can't yeah. take all for that. It might have just been somebody said, try fading the drums out and leaving the piano. I can't remember. It's a long okay. time ago. Okay. Just curious. Just well, curious. I, I could just say, yeah, it was my idea. <laughs> you should. <laughs> I could. <laughs> oh, no, okay. Um, we might jump around. I want to know all about working with Trevor Horn specifically probably at the SARM studios because Trevor is my favorite producer of all time. The music that he mm. made yeah. with 
Yes and ABC and propaganda and yep. Frankie goes to Hollywood and all that kind of is the Grace Jones is the most lush, beautiful, deep pop music I've ever heard. And I want to know what oh, it was yeah. like working with him. Uh, me and Gary, you know Gary Langan? I know the name from the history, yeah. Yeah, Gary was uh, engineering for him at, at the beginning a lot. I mean, I was doing a bit too. Uh, Gary and I used to call working with Tre Trevor uh, sound engineering gymnastics. <laughs> and that means that we were pushing, pushing the boundaries almost all the time. So doing things that these days on the computer would be dead easy, but on tape was really almost impossible. So, uh, yeah, he would set set levels of, of stuff for us that was really, really hard to achieve. But it actually taught us both a hell of a lot. We learned a lot from that from those days because we were right on the cusp of the, the electronic music coming in, the early 80s, you know, all yeah. that stuff. And, uh, you know, it wasn't, wasn't as easy to use then as it was now, as it is now. Yeah. Sometimes it didn't work at all. I bet. Um, <laughs> is the, In fact, uh, a lot of the time, stop working when you're nearly finished. You know <laughs> what I mean? Yeah. And actually, Trevor used to thrive on any problems were actually a plus for him. So technical problems would get, him, get his juices flowing and actually make him work better. It's interesting, isn't it? Yeah. That, that doesn't surprise me. Trevor seems like the kind of guy who really gets off on a challenge like that. Mm. That's exactly right. Yeah. Okay. Mm. You had mentioned, I think it's on your website, that um, prior to that, when you were working at, I think it was called Milner Sound, uh, and had eight tracks to work with. And then you go to SARM and you've got 48 tracks to work with. As a guy like... a big... Yeah, for a guy like you, I mean, that must just be having free reign of the candy store as a kid. Just so many options, so many possibilities, right? Yep, but I do miss the eight-track days. I do miss the eight-track days because you had to it? make decisions. That, mm. Well, because you had to be careful. You, you could never put too much stuff on it because you just didn't have the, that space. And you had to make decisions as you, as you went along, whereas these days... Like doing Phil stuff, there's a lot of decisions that hadn't been made, and I have to, you know, you have to keep working at it. For instance, this track, uh, it's just, I think there's probably about 80 tracks on this particular song I'm mixing at the moment. Oh goodness! Yeah, oh, uh, and that's just one of the, that's one of the medium-sized ones. There's been some where, I mean, I've got a I've got the middle version of Pro Tools, which takes 100. 28 tracks and I've run out of tracks oh. a couple of times so I have to make decisions and mix things together yeah uh, and uh, it's a different way of working now because the guys that are learning now have always had access to you know almost unlimited numbers of tracks so um, it's a different way yeah but that's what it is do you doesn't mean the record True. Good point. Um, what is it that drew you specifically to mixing and engineering? When I look over your your career, I, maybe I'm maybe I'm missing something. I don't see like a specific a singular producer credit 
necessarily. It's all co-producing or mixing or engineering. Why did you choose that? Because I'm a recording engineer who thought he could be a recording, a record producer. Hmm. Okay. Uh, I just like to do things as a team. And coming sense. from the engineering side, it's nice to have somebody a bit more musical. I like doing uh, Tasman Archer with uh, co-producing with Paul Wickens, also known as Wicks. You um, tell me about Tasman, and I want to hear about Paul too, but I see Sleeping Satellite is such a great tune, and that's all oh, most people know you. about her. Yeah. What drew you to oh. her in that project? I blame you for the moonlit sky And the dream that died With the eagles fly I blame you for the moonlit nights When I wonder he still trying Don't blame his sleeping satellite Did we fly to the moon too soon? Did we squander the chance? In the rush of the race The reason we chase is lost in And I just thought that's a hit record. I knew instantly it was a hit record, the, the demo that they that they made. And I was desperate to do it. And uh, they didn't uh, they didn't take me and they went away, went away and did it with somebody else who you might have actually done an interview with. I can't remember who it was, but you <laughs> okay. probably done an interview with him. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and anyway, they came back about a year later and said, oh, no, we've, we've tried this other bloke and, you know, I'm not sure, it didn't quite work out in the way. Do you want to have a go? And I was just, I just jumped at it. And, uh, yeah, it was a big, it was a really good big moment for me because I thought her voice, you know, you get these people, these ladies that sing and they've only, they could only be this one person, mm. like uh, Dusty Springfield. There's mm. only one Dusty Springfield. Absolutely. There's nobody else that sounds like her. And it's the same with Tasman. She's just got the voice that nobody else has got. Yeah. And and that song was such a great song. So uh, uh, I started doing it with, with uh, Wix, and uh, he actually, um, towards, I think we did two or three tracks with him. And then we, uh, he had to go back to the, the McCartney on tour and then I did it with another uh, American bloke uh, called Peter Kay. We oh. finished the album with him. Okay. Do you know Peter Kay? I know that not name. Peter Kay. It's not the Peter Kay you think who was oh. in Yes. Right. There was a Peter Kay. Yes, I think wasn't there. Uh, it was Tony Kay in in Yes. Tony Kay. 
Yeah. Uh, Peter K. I've seen that name on, you know, liner notes before. Yeah. He was really good with the Fairlight. Oh. You know what the Fairlight is? Yeah. Yeah. He was really good with that. I loved the Fairlight in those days. Good old Aussie invention. Yeah. Oh, really? I didn't know that was an Aussie invention. Nice. Yeah. Invented in Sydney and built in Sydney. Yeah. Nice. Fantastic machine. Um, yeah. Now you, I know you worked on McCartney's "Off the Ground" album. How, did Wix, mm -hmm. your buddy, bring you in on that project? Is that how that happened? Yeah. I will always be hoping, hoping you will always be holding, holding my heart in your hand. I will. I will understand someday, one day, you will understand always, always from now until then. When it will be right, I don't know what it will be like, I don't know. gave me the he gave me the, the uh, that particular uh, chance of doing it yeah okay okay so, uh, we just had this hit, hit record with Tasman and uh, it all came off that so okay um, I've done stuff for Paul before I've done a couple of extended mixes for him in the late 80s and uh, yeah I met Paul and Linda and we all got on really great then we did the record good and it was great Okay. Great experience. He, everyone I've talked to just has nothing but nice things to say about him. And that you mentioning the way you're talking about this, I'm reminded that oftentimes the mixer or the engineer is not necessarily in the room with the person. Like I talked to Dave Bascom a couple of months ago mm. and uh, similar. Yeah. I mean, he's a genius, but he's not always the one in the room dealing with the artist. Sometimes he's the one like you getting the files working through them, making some decisions. Would you say that you... Oh, uh, you're talking role? about nowadays. You're talking about nowadays. Well, nowadays, I'm sure that's how it is because of yeah. budgets. Yeah, it wasn't like, that in, wasn't like that in the old days when we were on tape. You might ask your assistant to do a bit of work after after the session finished, but mainly you're always there. But now, now when it's all files and all on the computer, because you can actually... Uh, uh, do a certain amount of stuff on a mix and then leave it for a week and it, you come back as exactly the same. In the old days, it wasn't always like that. I mean, the SSL the SSL desk had total recall, but uh, it wasn't like just turning on the computer and there it was exactly as you left it a week ago. Right. So, uh, yeah, I mean, these days you can send stuff. I mean, Phil's done this record with people from all over the world. Really? There's, people, there's American musicians on it. There's German musicians. There's um, uh, where else was South African, oh, South God. American. You know, he's got all these friends everywhere, 
he'll send the track the the tracks out to them he'll give them an idea of what he wants and they'll do their stuff and then he brings it back and makes decisions and all you know it's, it's mm-hmm. pretty amazing that is amazing that's kind of how it's done today you know yeah. no there aren't the budgets for the big studios anymore so you got to do it this way yeah i mean we were just saying the other day we just wished the internet was fast enough that we could <laughs> i could be mixing and he could be hearing what i'm doing at the same time yeah uh yeah. i'm out in the country here you could probably could do that you know on some of the broadband stuff but i'm out in the country i've got maximum 12 megabyte download 12 megabyte second download yeah so uh, it's you just not it's not possible right um i want to ask you about some of the thing some of the songs that you worked on where you that's what where you made your name from what i can understand it looks like past the duchy is yeah. from musical youth was sort of your first big calling card producing that and that was the first one i think i remember my manager jill who was trevor's wife i remember her saying oh peter collins is coming in with this uh, young band uh, why don't you give it a go and i was like oh well maybe okay okay i'm lacking a bit of confidence and uh, she said no no go for it go for it you know you could get you'll get on really well with peter uh-huh. uh, which was uh, you know, fair. Uh, the the point was that he was a short ass like me, and and so <laughs> I didn't have to look up to him. <laughs> uh, so uh, anyway, I got into that. We got on really well, and I mixed that track, and that was the beginning, really. Yeah. Uh, okay. I had Dennis Seaton on here from Musical Youth, and he was talking about he's such a nice guy, and what a major thing that was. Um, I didn't realize that Trevor was involved at all or his wife or anything, but now it makes sense. Uh, Trevor wasn't involved. It it was Jill Sinclair who was managing me at the time. Oh, no, I was a staff engineer. That's right. I hadn't gone freelance at that point. That's right. I was just in the studio. You know, I was working for the studio. Okay. And that's where it all started from. Okay. Um, And then we got to talk about uh, Relax. That's the other thing too, right? Trevor asks you to do kind of a last minute 
remix of Relax from Frankie. Really last minute. The record company had had enough. He'd been on it a year. Yeah. He'd done about four or five different versions of this track. And uh, finally, he got the right people around him, which was Steve Lipson and Andy Richards and JJ. Well, actually, JJ had been with him for a while, but Andy Richards, the keyboard player in Lippo, sorry, Steve Lipson, uh-huh. they they start they came in to uh, help him get started on on Relax after he tried a few other versions. Actually, I, I never let Andy Richards know. I never let him forget that it was me and my friend Penny who recommended him to Trevor. I never let him forget that. <laughs> if you ever speak to him, just remind him, please. I will. I just emailed Andy last week, and I haven't heard back oh, yet, so hopefully true. that happens. I did. Just remind him. It's okay. all my fault. Okay. <laughs> so the version of Relax that becomes Worldwide, that you made the decisions that made that song that put that song over the top what like what specifically can you think i wouldn't say i made the decisions i just did a a balance of it and i suppose that's making a decision and trevor said yep that's good no that's not quite right we need the vocal up because they they had a bit of trouble he kept taking it to the uh, to the mastering engineer um can't remember his name the townhouse ian cooper and Ian, uh, Ian, Trevor always used to listen to Ian, and Ian said, ah, the vocal's not sitting quite right, you know, you better do it again, and this went on for a couple of weeks, I think. And uh, the record company was screaming for this record to be put out, because Trevor had spent a few bob on it, a few, little bit of money on it. Yeah, he sure had. Uh, I just got this phone call on a Sunday night, Jules, Jules, can you come in at eight o'clock in the morning? We've got to do we've got to mix this relax record again and i said oh, okay so i came in and i think we did it in about three three hours yeah and that was that was, was pretty it. cool then we That's had amazing. a go side and then i'll never forget him driving me across the town from the east london to west london to the to the mastering uh room because uh, trevor wasn't the greatest driver i've ever been in the car <laughs> Cracking, <laughs> and uh, and Ian had to listen to it. He said, "Yep, that's it," and that was that. Wow. So uh, was, let me ask big... you a couple questions about that because I had Brian Nash from the Frankies oh, yeah. on the show, yeah. and as you probably know, he uh, he's he's still angry about how much it cost, and. Huh? Um, <laughs> You know, he he wrote a book about it, and he, you know, yeah. on the one hand, he's grateful that he has a, you know, had a career basically because of that, but on yeah. the other, Trevor's tinkering for a year, yes, yeah. you spent every penny that they ever would have made on that song. And my question was whether anyone in the band even actually played on that song or that album. What are your thoughts on those? Um, no, the the all the parts came from the band. You know what I mean. So uh-huh. the ba- bass line, and oh, I'm not sure about the bass line. Some of the parts for Relax came from the band. Okay. Uh, some of it, some of it was from Andy and uh, Lipson and JJ. Okay. Uh, it was, you know, there was. It wasn't just the session musicians. The, okay. the ideas came from the band. 
Okay. But uh, they didn't. I I can't say that they played on or not. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Okay. Like like the baseline to um, two tribes was definitely who was the bass player in uh, in Frankie. I was afraid you were going to ask me that. It's his cousin. It's Brian's cousin, and I'm blanking on the guy's name. Yeah, I can't remember. But anyway, that was his baseline. So that was the basis for two tribes. Okay. Yeah. Okay, that works. Okay. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Now we got. I want to ask you about a couple other Trevor-related albums that you worked on at the time. We got to talk about Yes, and probably specifically Nine Hundred One Two Five. Because that's yeah. like in my top twenty favorite albums of all time. Yeah. Great record. Funnily yes. enough, I was in the I was in the gym this morning listening on my. Uh, my I'm not going to plug my earphones, but I will plug my earphones. Plug them, yeah. They're called Flare Audio. Amazing, They're easily the best. I actually mix on them. Wow. Yeah, amazing. Anyway, uh, I was in the in the gym this morning, and one of the Yes tracks came off, and I thought. Oh, is that what I mixed? And I couldn't remember whether I mixed it or not because I mixed <laughs> half that album, I think. Gary did a half. Then he went off to do Spandau Ballet, I think. Mm. And then I was left to mix the rest, which was more engineering gymnastics, let me tell you that. I believe it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, we, we both did the first album, which was Drama, mm-hmm. that Trevor sang on. Trevor and Jeff were on that album. Yep. And... Boy, oh boy, that really pushed us. I can remember there was one track called Leave It. Uh huh. That's like uh, 90125. One down, one to go. Another town, one more show. Downtown, you're giving away, but you never came back. No phone, take your place. You know what I mean. Yeah, that's the one that's, you know, got their voices just multi-tracked to infinity, you know, singing over each other. To leave it was um, sort of written in the studio. Mm. I mean, they did a lot of writing in the studio, which took a lot of time. But they all had to have their little input. All the band, Trevor and Jeff, uh, uh, and Trevor, had to have a bit of input into everything. So... There was a lot of chopping and changing on the arrangement of that track. I believe and it was on 
I think it was all on 48 tracks, so two 24 tracks. And then somehow we got it down to uh, 24 track. And then the arrangement still wasn't finalised. So I'd be there during the day doing, uh, I'd do an edit on the multi-track, which is hard work. And then Gary would have to do a re-edit later on on the same multi-track. Oh, boy. <laughs> uh, this track, as you watch the multi-track going through, it looked like a pedestrian crossing. <laughs> all the white, uh, you know, the white tape, uh, sticky tape, holding uh -huh. all the bits together. <laughs> it was quite incredible. We got away with it. Yeah, it's a brilliant you know, album. The, the di difficult thing was that Gary would edit in a slightly different place to where I would edit, hmm. you know, on the on, on the sound. Very, very difficult. So we had to take all that into account. Huh. When, something I've always been curious about them and that album at that time, um, it was such a departure for them because they were the ones with, you know, the topographic oceans and 20 minute songs and long solos. And here they are. The songs are they're just, you know, Trevor's ear candy pop masterpieces, yeah. all of them. Did you get the yeah. sense from them? while it was happening that they were out of their comfort zone at all, that it was difficult for them or were they along for the ride? All their, all their records were difficult. I think. Really? Yeah. Very, very uh, particular. Each oh. of them. Very particular. I could see yeah. that. And who has the yeah. loudest voice I, there? Is it Chris? I can remember on the drama album, we were doing shift work. Me and Gary were doing shift work. So I, one of us would do the days, the other would do the nights, and we'd do two weeks of that, then we'd swap over. Wow. And I can remember waiting for Chris uh, Squire to come in to do some backing vocals. I'd get there at 7 o'clock at night. Chris would turn up at 1. We'd spend an hour and a half, maybe two hours, getting the, the vocal mic in the correct position for him. And then you'd do a bit of vocal, some backing vocals. We were about five o'clock in the morning, and he'd say, "Right, I'll come in and have a listen now." And he'd come in and he'd sit down next to me. And this is in the days on that drama album. There was no computer running the faders or anything. It was all manual mixing, so you had to do all your fader moves manually from memory. Uh -huh. And this was a twelve twelve minute track, was it? Uh, oh yeah, Machine Messiah, was it? Yeah. Machine Messiah, I think, it was a very long track. Run down the street where the glass shows that summer has gone. Agent the door is resenting the pace of the dawn.
Yeah. I get to the end of it and I go, turn around, you know, I'm concentrating and almost sweating to get this thing right because they pick you up if you made a mistake. I turn around and I say, how was that, Chris? And he said, and he was asleep. <laughs> <laughs> he was fast asleep. <laughs> it make me oh, laugh. That's great. I could totally yeah. see that. Um, okay. Another one from around that time, ABC. I don't think, it doesn't look like you worked on the Lexicon of Love album, but you did, I believe, work on How to Be a Millionaire or Zillionaire or whatever it is. Yeah. Um, I and, love them. Funny that came on the on the earphones today too. Really? A bit spooky. <laughs> that is a bit spooky. Yeah. Uh, Near me, which is a huge hit for them. And... Don't ever stray too far and don't disappear. No, don't disappear. Ever had the feeling? Like you do, you do That's their greatest hits. And oh, that's so the you greatest. have songs on that album. So my understanding, Lexicon of Love, to me, is an absolute masterpiece. And it's another one that's up there. And... What's that? Uh, I've got a good little story about that. Ooh, tell uh, me. Gary, uh, I did a couple of overdubs here and there. I think I might have done a bit of vocal, just maybe. But Gary worked on it from scratch. And... Uh, this is another one where Trevor had pushed the boundaries uh, with the record company and, you know, gone on to months over over time and over budget and record companies screaming at him and they've given him an ultimatum that it has to be finished by a, one, uh, by a Monday and he's there on the uh, Sunday night mixing the last track. I can't remember which one it was. Might have been, I think it was The Look of Love. Mm. They're finally mixing it. And this is in the early days of the SSL desk, which had a few computer problems. And, and we had quite a few computer problems over the over the weeks of the mix. And anyway, that all settled down and they're mixing, mixing, mixing. I was assisting. And uh, about 3 o'clock in the morning, they're just ready to print this uh, mix. I think, I think it was Look of Love. And the half-inch stereo machine breaks down. Oh! oh! Yeah. So Trevor's like, you know, really reveling in all these problems because that's uh -huh. what he likes. Well, that's what he likes. I don't know whether he likes it now. Right. So I, I had to ring the Ampex rep who made the tape machine at 3 o'clock in the morning and get the whole thing sorted for the, you know, get the spare part as early as possible and, you know, it was, uh, I'll never forget that. 
we did wow. get away with it, and I think we got the record. I think we got the tape to the mastering uh, place later on on the Monday. Okay, but uh, that's the sort of stuff that used to happen in those days. <laughs> yeah, <I bet. laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, how involved were you then with how to be a zillionaire? Do you remember? Oh, I just mixed that. Okay. Yeah, okay. and I mixed one with Smokey Sings on too. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, Alphabet City. copy of that that's terrible yeah well, i have got that. a final copy but i haven't got a cd okay interesting well, i'll have to i'll have to fix that problem if you have absolutely their greatest hits then obviously it's on there yeah yeah so. i've got the i've got absolutely okay yeah and then do you remember anything about the album after that which is called up um uh, see yeah no Okay, I thought I thought you worked on that one too. That was a real disappointment. Came out in '89. I was just curious what your thoughts were on that. Okay, all I right. I think I did. I think I did Alphabet City in when was that? '87. '87. Yep. And then um, yeah, I don't remember up. I don't remember up. Okay, it just says mixing if I look on AllMusic.com, but no, it's not coming up. Maybe it was that much of a disappointment. It doesn't <laughs> even get on iTunes. It was pretty, I don't know if it's on there. It's pretty awful. Black and white cover came out in 89. Um, anyway, yeah. Okay. I was just curious. Um, okay. We should uh, probably. ABC remastered up. Oh, there. I don't remember any of that. Okay. There we go. There you go. All right. Uh, lovely to work with Martin. Mark and Martin. The two M's. Yeah. Lovely guys. Good. Good. It mm. seemed like it. Um, we should talk about Pet Shop Boys. I know you worked yeah. on a lot of their albums and a lot of their hits. Um, one of them in particular, of course, was Always On My Mind, which was a huge uh, yeah. number, Christmas number one. What did you do with that one? Just a quick mix. Another quick mix. Bit of a <laughs> fix up here and there. They brought it in. I think they'd done it, done it as, a, as a bit of fun in a little studio. Uh, brought it in, I think. Did we did we fix anything on it? Did we replace anything? 
didn't take very long anyway. It was only a few hours. Okay. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? It's something that only, you say flippantly, only took you a couple hours. It went on to be number one. And it's, it's one of their well, most beloved it, tracks. I, I know. I know. <laughs> it doesn't always mean that if you spend weeks and weeks doing something that it's, you know, it's going to be good. It's, it's chemistry, isn't it? Yeah. Chemistry and luck and yeah. a little bit of luck. That was great fun doing that. They were great, absolutely great fun to work with. Really I great. It. I love them. Never, um, never, ne really no stress, just having a good time. You know, if you need a little keyboard line, you finish the track and you just needed one more little bit, you just say, oh, Chris, and he'd wake up off the couch and get up and <laughs> plug a keyboard in, get a sound, and then you'd have your little extra part, just like that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's the best. Oh, yeah, man. That was the way it worked. Chris okay. was always there when you needed that extra bit. <laughs> <laughs> I could see that. Um, yeah. Now, you, I believe, worked on the Liza Minnelli Results album that they produced for her, right? Another one I just listened to in the uh, gym this morning. How bizarre. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The sun comes up. Think about you, the coffee cup. I think about you. I want you so it's like I'm losing my mind. The morning ends. I think about you. I talk to friends and think about you. And do they know it's like I'm losing my mind? Well, I like your own playlist or something do you have a julia mendelson i've got nearly two and a half thousand songs on the phone and i just put it on shuffle yeah and what happens so um now i heard that project was i can't listen to a whole album anymore yeah i just I, can't I, do it. i hear you um i always heard i believe that that project was a little fraught with some drama they of course loved Liza and wanted to sort of bring her into the now. And uh, it was, there was some drama behind the scenes. Do I have that right? Or was it different than that? I don't think there was any drama. Oh, really? Okay. I was never aware of any drama, just good times. Okay. Okay. Uh, I don't know. That's interesting. I'd like to I'd find out that. more. Okay. I thought no, I'd heard that somewhere. No, no drama at all. It was all very friendly everybody was really happy she was fantastic the boys really loved it you know we had a great time it was okay. quite hard work doing it actually i seem to remember was it a couple of the tracks were were hard no it wasn't it wasn't difficult really okay. no okay no she um yeah. i mean she's wonderful but she could also probably be a diva 
And so I wondered if no. there were, you know, any behaviors like that. No, she was gorgeous. Oh, lovely good. woman. Yeah. Okay. Really lovely woman. There was no pretenses at all. Okay. Speaking of no, lovely women, though. I'm not just to be nice. She was, she is a lovely woman. Good. Lovely okay. lady. Good. Yeah. Um, okay. Speaking of lovely women, you worked with Kate Bush. Kate tell, Bush is another genius. Well, she's tell a us genius. About Kate. Yes. Tell us all about her. Well, if you work for Kate, you were really just part of the machinery. So you were there to do what she said. Really? So there wasn't a lot of creativity from me or anybody else. It was really, she knew what she wanted most of the time. Huh. And you just translated that into reality. Okay. Okay. Makes um, sense? Yes, it does. And I think uh, you worked on Hounds of Love, and I think she was like in her yeah. early 20s around that time. She was young, yeah. think it's amazing that this young woman is so artistically in tune like you're saying that she comes in and she knows exactly what she wants and you work for her not a, i don't mean that in yeah. a bad way that she's so no. her vision is so clear that you the vision yeah that shocks me i mean she's what an amazing artist you know that she is an amazing artist a, a true genius yeah why do you think she it, ducked away for the last 20 years or so? Um, she's very private. She's a very okay. private person. And she did an amazing album that I, a few years ago. Yeah. Uh, did you hear that? I've heard a few of them. There was Ariel. There was one that I really liked, which I think was called 50 Words for Snow or something That's like that. That's the one. I really, love that one. Really, really amazing. Yeah. It could, could only be her. It wouldn't be anybody else. This is another lady that just is her own yeah. thing, you know? Yeah. Yeah, she, she was amazing to work with. Good. Okay, one more lady. Let's talk about Tracy Ullman. You know, she's a national treasure and an art and an actress now, but I remember her yeah. so well with uh, They Don't Know About Us.
she was a singer first and a comedian second. How did this happen? Well, this was Peter Collins again. Okay. I have to look it up because I won't remember much of stuff because that was really early on. That was a bit of a blur because I, I think that was a, at a time when I was probably doing yes and hadn't had any sleep. <laughs> <laughs> but she was a good good girl. Okay. Uh, what was the name of the album that you... Your... It's called uh, You Broke My Heart in 17 <laughs> Places or something like that. Let's let, let's talk about Nick Kershaw. You oh, worked yeah. him on a couple another, albums. Another genius. Really? Oh, Interesting. Yeah. Why? What? Why do you say that? Everything. He can play drums. He can play guitar. He can sing. He can write amazing songs. Huh. Luxury. <laughs> <laughs> he was great. Don't let the sun go down on me. such classic songs unfortunately i think in the states that's about all he's known for and those are pretty deep yeah. you'd have to really pay attention to alternative radio to hear them but um i think in yeah. europe and other places he was a much bigger deal it was big down here in australia just with two or three of those songs okay and very big in europe and, and the uk and yeah. a lovely bloke too and Good. and not very tall which was good. <laughs> How tall are you, Julian? Uh, not very tall. Oh, okay. Not going to give me a number. <laughs> I'm uh, <laughs> I'm six foot eight, and so oh, uh, yeah. really, yeah, I'm five kind of obscenely four. tall. Uh, I'm as I'm five foot four, so not obscenely okay. small, but far <laughs> off it. Got it. Okay. <laughs> Okay, I, I got to ask you about some... Let's go a little harder. Um, you no, on... I just want to say Nick, Nick was another one of those ones that was just, you know, up there with with Kate in the genius yeah. factor. Okay. And still, still still incredible. Yeah. Even, the record, even the records he's made since are still really listenable to. I've got a couple of his records. There's one he made a few years ago, probably more than a few years ago, called Eight which is mm. fantastic. Mm. Some great tracks on it. Good. So, uh, yeah, really good. Okay. Um, mm. I don't. Here's one I hope you remember something about. Maybe you don't. Killing Joke, Brighter Than a Thousand oh, Suns. Yeah. Jazz Coleman, what a great yeah. guy. <laughs> he used to make me laugh. How? Uh, Why? He's just a lovely bloke. But quite, really? 
He was mad. They were all mad. <laughs> they used to have to create um, ambience in the, in the studio. I was only mixing for them, but they still had to create ambience with men hanging hanging uh, drapes up and candles and dark, you know, darkness and, yeah, they're all pretty wacky. <laughs> I bet. Uh, it, it yeah, flood. We, me and Jazz got on really well. It's a lovely huh. I'd love uh, to see him again, actually. What's that? I'd love to catch up with him again. Yeah, I love those guys. Um, mm. I like their more melodic 80s stuff, like uh, Brighter Than a Thousand Suns. I love that album. More than the earlier kind of hard-edged, punkier stuff. But um, and, and I saw them in concert last year, I think it was, on their 40th really? anniversary. Yeah, they came through here on their 40th anniversary tour. Really? Uh, they didn't play hardly any of that. 80s melodic stuff that I liked. It was all the hardcore stuff. But that's oh. okay. That was fun too, you know? What, what was the one I did then? Was that a, a melodic one or a punk Yeah, one? it was. It was 86. It would have been... There's a song on that album that I really like called Chessboards. for them that's yeah. when they started to sound more like the cure you know yeah yeah like that yeah well, i love okay. the cure. i do too wish i'd done that anyway you would have been great at that oh no um, i would have loved it i'll tell you who i did do uh briefly was uh, i've forgotten his name of course oh god he was in a band but then he did his own stuff similar to the cure Oh, fantastic. Uh, I might just look through my iTunes to see if I can find it. Yeah. Um, Do a mix, an extended mix for this bloke. Really fantastic. It Was it the Chameleons? No, it was one bloke. Okay. Uh, now, let me ask you this. If I, according to allmusic.com, mm. you have a remixing credit on Bob Marley's Legend. Yeah, I, I just passed that on my in my thing. Really? Yeah, I just went past Bob Marley and my list of uh, artists on iTunes. Okay. That, um, I mean, I I think of everything you've worked on, that almost every person in the world 
knows that album or owns it or you know what I mean? It's a yeah. staple of basically every collection. It's Bob Marley. I mean, you know, yeah. it's amazing. Yeah. It was pretty amazing because I mixed that in the same room that it was recorded. Really? Yeah. In the uh, what was Island Studios? Yeah. In the same studio, having said that the control room was in a different place, uh-huh. in the same studio that it was recorded in. This is in Jamaica, right? I don't know, in, in London. Oh, sure. Okay. Yes, yeah. Island Studios. Yes, you're right. So, I think there was me and another guy doing some remixes. I can't remember his name. Okay. West Indian guy. I think both of us did a little bit of each. You know, I think I did... Did I do Is This Love, Three Little Birds, Stir It Up, One Love, Waiting in Vain, I think were mine. Oh, wow. Yeah, it was pretty amazing. It was all on 16 track. I had the original tapes. Uh, it was really amazing. Okay. Really, really yeah. amazing. A fantastic sounding thing too. I mean, you, yes. didn't, you didn't have to muck around with it too much. Yeah. Now, we cover on here sensitively the business side of things, and I'm always curious how it works for someone like you who mm. works behind the scenes. An album like that, and someone like you, do you make your living on, like, the point system? You get a point on these on albums? That. No? <laughs> no, I didn't on that one. Okay, because I thought uh, if you did, you'd be you'd be set, because that thing is a perennial yes. seller. <laughs> you know? Well, most of most of the stuff I did, I got points on. Okay, but not, all, not big stuff like this. Very difficult to get points. Okay. Very um, well, then right. I'm just going to ask you point blank, and you can tell me to shut up if you want. Of all the things songs you've worked on, what would what do you get the most mailbox money from? Uh Petrol Boys. Really? Yeah. Specifically, which one? I don't know. It just just collectively. Through. Okay. Collectively, yeah, for uh, probably because I uh, probably half of actually because I did half of actually, and um, the other one would be uh, and this, uh, you know, the Christmas single. Yeah, always on my mind. Yeah, yeah, that's still. I mean, I don't get a lot for it these days, but they had a bit of a re re-release a couple of years ago, and the the money went up a little bit, but it's. It's not that much these days. Yeah, yeah. It just okay. goes to show that somebody like, you know, I remember there was a guy called Jonah Louie. Do you remember him? Yes, I do know that name. He had a, he had a massive, massive hit single called Stop the Cavalry or something, was it? Hey, Mr. Churchill comes over here to say where do you spend it? But it's very cold out here in the snow Marching to and from the enemy Oh, I say it's tough, I have had enough Can you stop the cavalry? Now in 
stop the cavalry. Yeah, that's it. Stop the cavalry, and he was a wacky guy. I mean, he was completely loony, lovely bloke, and he was on Stiff Records. Ah. And he, uh, I remember him telling me that he went in to get his royalty check from Dave Robinson for that one record, because that's the only record he had. And I won't tell you how much it was, but it set him up for the rest of his life. Oh! Oh, wow. He, he was a lovely guy. He used to re- I remember I was doing, I think I was doing Nick Kershaw. Or was it, yes, I was, I don't know, I was in the studio at three o'clock in the morning, which was very normal in the early 80s. Uh-huh. And I get this phone call from Jonah. Hi, Jules, it's uh, Jonah here. Uh, I th- actually, I think we did some stuff with Peter Collins with him. After that first single. Anyway, okay. he had so much money. He was building his own studio. And he rang me up and he said, Jules, um, I'm just putting this studio together. I just wondered what sort of lights have you got above the mixing desk? <laughs> wow. Said, well, they're just lights. And he said, oh, what sort? You know, oh, I really need to know which ones they are. <laughs> no way. <laughs> yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's wild. Um, I love Go West. And you've worked with Go West a little bit. Yeah, I did some extended mixes for them, which were great fun. All done by committee. Okay. All done while there was uh, quite a a big party going on behind me in the the control room. What? All party going on. (laughs) Can you describe this party for us? No. Oh, okay, okay. Uh, no, no, it was just a party. There's a few ladies popping in and all that sort of stuff. Uh-huh. Peter oh, Cox has one of the great voices ever. Great voices. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I believe you worked on the Dancing on the Couch album, which features Don't Look Down. I love that song. self-titled one that did so well and then this one i remember came out was a little bit of a disappointment and then they came back later with king of wishful thinking but that's right um, yeah yeah okay Uh, i think they blew it a little bit with that because they were doing they'd had that massive album done loads and loads of touring Uh uh-huh they uh didn't have time to write the songs for the next album Mm. so they wrote the songs for that album in the studio in holland uh, because no Denmark because they were doing a year out for tax mm. year out of the UK mm. 
Mm-hmm. And I think it mucked them up a little bit. Uh, pressure was a lot of pressure. Yeah. Writing a, a record in a, you know, not, not, I've seen a lot of some people who change the recipe. They have a big hit for a record they might have started in their bedroom or something. And then they make all the money, change the recipe for the next album, and it doesn't happen. Yeah. You know, yeah. certainly for the first two or three albums, once you have a, a, num- a first album that's a very popular. You should stick to the same recipe mm-hmm. for a couple of albums onwards, I think. I agree. You know, ABC did that with their second album, Beauty Stab. was very that, different, and it kind of cost them for a little while until they came back with Zillionaire. That's right, yeah. yeah. Came back to what they knew they sh- should be doing. Right. Yeah. Okay. Uh, even Sylvian was this track that I was trying to... Oh, of course, from Japan. Yeah. Oh, he was in Japan. That's right. Yes. Fantastic. He's a genius too. All right, let me uh, let me ask you about Johnny Hates Jazz. Turn oh, back yeah. the, Turn Back the Clock is a great album, and I had Kirk Datchler or Clark Datchler on here a while back. Um, oh, he's the singer, wasn't he? Yes, he's the singer. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Um, really great guy. Very, very uh, passionate about. about like political causes he seems like someone who kind of wears the weight of the world very heavily on his shoulders like what Mm -hmm. can i do to make things better and um do you have any stories about working on that album or working with him or anything Blokes, there was an American guy, wasn't there? Calvin Hayes. Oh, Calvin sure. Hayes was a very good friend of mine for quite a long time. What, like, did you guys meet in the making of that album? Yeah, and then we hang we hung out to get together quite a lot afterwards. Um, huh. Going to the nightclubs and causing sure. chaos. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> were you yeah. Uh, were you a married man back then? Or are you married to? No, neither. Uh, he was with uh, Kim Wilde at the time. Oh, wow. Good for him. Yeah. Uh, but I think it was on its, it was waning. Okay. Yeah. So I think he, we, we just got together and did our thing, if you know what I mean. Sure. Yeah. Did the nightclub thing and misbehaved a little bit. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> well, so uh, I'm, again, I'm just. In, Phil Thornelly was in Johnny H. Jazz. He was. I've had Phil on the show. I love Phil Thornelly. Well, he made that fantastic record, didn't he, with, um, what's her name, the Aussie girl? Natalie Imbruglia. Yeah. Nat- 
Yeah, amazing. Yeah. He's great. 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 Clark yeah. Datchler left Johnny Hates Jazz and uh, Phil took over and on their next album and it kind of tanked. And um, so they sort of called it quits after uh-huh. that. But see, yeah. Phil would have done very well out of, um, uh, what was it called? That, that uh... Telling Stories, I think was the name of the follow-up <laughs> album. No, 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 no. What's a uh, Natalie's. Natalie, yeah. Um, left of the middle, I think. Torn. He co-wrote Torn. 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 Yeah. That's, yeah. Because he wrote that, I think. He did. Yeah. For yeah. another band. Yeah. And, they, and then she covered it and it became huge. How oh, is that right? Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> ah. Well, yeah. that would have been a massive record. That would have set him up pretty well, I reckon. Yeah, because that's doing okay. You hear that these days. You still hear it all the time. Yeah, on the radio. Yeah, yeah he's doing okay. He uh, he's such a good guy. He he and I became you know friendly as friendly as you can be with people on Facebook and across the across the world and all that kind of stuff. But he's such a good man. Yeah, I yeah, love him a lot. Um, okay, well, I didn't one real in the band anyway. There you yeah, go. I learned, yeah, learn something okay. every day. Um, yeah. I'm just going to flat out ask you, because you touched on this. Julian, have you ever dated famous women that we would know? No. No. Okay. No singers, uh, no starlets, no nothing like that? Well, I mean, a couple I would like to have, but I didn't. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. Okay. You're no, alluding to these days of partying and stuff, and I thought, boy, I wonder if Julian has any fun stories that we would, we would know. Uh, no, I just remember there was a bit of time when I was, you know, going to gigs and and nightclubs and all that sort of stuff, and I kept bumping into Dave Gilmore almost everywhere I went. Really? You know, we got to know each other just through <laughs> being in the same place at the same time. Uh huh. Of course, he's one of my absolute heroes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'll never forget seeing him in uh, here down at Rod Laver Stadium in 1989, I think it was. I was doing a Pseudo Echo album. I love Pseudo- them. Yes. Yeah. Race. Great album, and I've had Brian on here too. I love that band. Things are really serious, and that's what we'll say. We had our plans to change the view. Was that the yeah. one I did? 
Yeah, I believe so. That's when they sort of became like Bon Jovi. Yeah, they wanted to be a rock band, and I wasn't expecting it. I, I remember that. Right. <laughs> Brian always winds me up about that, and he said, I bet you thought you were coming out to do a Fairlight album. <laughs> <laughs> we completely stuffed it up for you. Yeah. <laughs> it actually had some really good tunes on it. They did. I like that album a lot. Yeah. Yeah. It's just um, different. Uh, what was I, where was I getting to? You were talking about Dave Gilmore at Rod Laver Stadium. Oh, yeah. We went to see him while I was doing that album. It was just one of the best gigs I've ever seen in my life. Really? One of my best two or three gigs ever. Amazing. Wow. Absolutely amazing. Yeah, I believe it. So yeah. this makes me... I'm and, curious. And even in those days, the sound was just really? unbelievable. I bet. It, that was during that, I mean, he was riding high with like learning to fly and momentary lapse of reason and then pulse and all the, he was really bringing them back with Roger yeah. having left and, yeah. you know, a real spectacle. Yeah. Worked, and, I, and I remember there was a guitar solo in one of the famous tracks and I had, you know, I've got, I've got dog's ears. I can hear a mistake. Uh-huh. You know, it just jumps out at me. And I only remember there being one in this 10 or 15-minute guitar solo. Oh. I just remember there was just maybe one note that he didn't quite get oh. in the whole thing. It's incredible. Amazing. Yeah. That was probably comfortably numb or something like that. Uh, it was amazing. Anyway. Okay. So yeah. you've worked on all this, you know, 80s kind of alternative. You mentioned Fairlight synthesizer type music but you're getting off on pink floyd what does julian mendelson listen to what's um, your favorite stuff i ended up on a desert island with one record and it'd be probably last record album last record album the last record album by little feet oh really yeah so okay little feet are one of those bands that are beloved by a few people who really get it and yeah. I've never paid, I guess, enough attention to Little Feet. What's the magic of Little Feet? Why them? Uh, they were the mix of musicians the dreams are made of. Really? Even when they made mistakes, it was special. Yeah. Huh. I you would need, not have guessed. You need to have a little listen. Yeah. Okay. But there's nothing like them, and, and there never will be again. Yeah. Yeah, they seem special. I don't think I've given them enough of a chance. I yeah, should. you okay. try Itty Chicken or Last Record Album, either okay. of those. Okay, I will. Fantastic. That's probably what I'd end up on my desert island with. Wow. Mm. Okay, okay. Said that I do love Free. Paul yeah, Rogers. Paul Free. Rogers. Yeah, another, okay. another I was, genius. Yes, I was going to ask you about that because you produced their, uh, The Firm's second album, Mean Business. She was pretty as a picture She was sharper than a photograph She was everything I needed With a smile and the way she laughed I was going through the changes That make me what I Looking at all the dangers 
which was pretty good. Yeah. I mean, he's amazing. And uh, the firm was was good. Uh, Jimmy was amazing. Uh, nobody else liked Jimmy Page playing his guitar. Absolutely. Nobody liked his guitar playing. There's nobody, yeah. nobody sounds like him. You know, another one of these unique players. Paul, an amazing singer, one take special. Uh-huh. You know, maybe you have to do two takes of a vocal, but normally it'll be one. Just sing it and that'll be it. Perfect. Yeah. He's got one of the greatest rock voices in history. Still, still got one of the greatest yeah. rock voices. I saw something. He was playing somewhere in America. It was on the TV here. Or was it on it Was on Foxtel or something? A concert, bad company concert. Uh -huh. Yeah. It doesn't even look any different. Yeah. And he's uh -huh. old. Hey. Yeah. Yeah. He's uh he's special. When uh and you could you don't have to answer this if you don't want to. I imagine when it's you, Paul, and Jimmy Page, you guys are just high like the whole time. Just a just constant smoking weed. No, 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 no. Really? Jimmy, Jimmy didn't smoke weed and Paul never smoked weed. Oh, Okay. Uh, might have had a little smoke here and there, but no, Paul didn't smoke anything. I think he had to, uh, I think he gave up the drink many years before. Mm. Jimmy was Jimmy. Okay. The lovely bloke and just pure genius on the guitar. Okay. It was like, it was like Hendrix, you know, where it yeah. could only be him playing that guitar part. You I know what I mean? Hendrix had his own sound and, Pagey had his own sound. Those two and probably Eddie Van Halen, I would say, are probably the three most influential guitar players ever, wouldn't you? Yeah. Oh, and Dave Gilmore. Yeah, good point. Good point. Yeah, yeah but uh, Jimmy, I mean, Led Zeppelin, God. Yeah. For me, they're the greatest rock band of all time. More than ACDC? You're in Australia. ACDC is probably not as melodic or as... Adventurous, maybe? Adventurous and different. Yeah, diverse. Led, Led Zeppelin. And that's a lot down to the members of that band. Yeah. You know, the individual elements, John Paul Jones and um, and Jimmy. Yeah. Uh, yeah, they were amazing musicians. Um, amazing musicians. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Let's talk. Speaking of amazing musicians, I mean, they're not Led Zeppelin, but... To me, they're up there, and that's in excess. You worked on oh, Kick. Yeah. yeah, I did a couple of mixes for them. In excess are amazing. Yes. Amazing live band. See, the thing about us Aussie bands are they had to be good live because that's really what they used to do because hmm. there was a big live 
we in in you know like in the UK in the eighties, live live stuff wasn't so important, mm-hmm. but it was really important down here because they go around the country doing the pubs and all that sort of stuff. So I had to play. Do you have an NXS story, Michael Hutchins? Any of the guys? I only met Michael once, and he just seemed like a very lovely bloke. Hmm. If slightly fragile, I thought at the time. Okay. Yeah. I didn't know others, but I was good, quite good friends with Mark Opitz, who did some of the earlier records. I've had Mark on here. Okay. Now, we've, for anyone who isn't, who's listening and is kind of, you're in Australia, but we talk about England a lot. What's your trajectory again? You're fr- you grew up in Melbourne, I believe, but you yeah, moved to England. Melbourne. I moved to England when my mother married a, an English bloke when I was eighteen. Okay, uh, but I had wanted to be a recording engineer since I was about twelve. Okay, uh, and I was very good friends with a bloke called Ian McKenzie. Who did many records down here? We both got into it together when we were at school. He was more an electronics bloke, mm. and he ended up working at Bill Armstrong Studios here in the seventies and eighties, and then owned a couple of studios later on. So we sort of grew up and got the got the obsession at the same time. Okay. So uh, there you go. But now he does computers. He's computer nut. Okay. And when yeah. did you move back to Melbourne then? Uh, 15 years ago. Okay. Oh, no, uh, 14 years ago. Okay. What do you consider home? I, it sounds like Melbourne oh, is more yeah, home Melbourne's to you. It's always been home, yeah. Really? So even when you were in the UK, you consider yourself an Aussie? Yes, yes, yes. I refuse. I could have got a British passport, but I refused to on, uh, you know, I just didn't want to spoil everything. Yeah. <laughs> I wish I had one, having said that. <laughs> Although it might not be any use after today. <laughs> yeah, that's you know, very true. That's you know, very true. I wish I had got one so I could have just gone around Europe willy-nilly. <laughs> yeah. Might not be any use after today. Who knows? Who knows what's going to happen there? God. I know. Very confusing. Yeah, we have our own political turmoil here. And um, yes. I don't understand exactly what is happening in Britain. I just know that the people I care about and respect over there are angry and I can relate because I'm angry yeah. for, about yeah. my country too. <laughs> and so everyone's well, on fire right now. Though we've gone the middle ground here with the, with the, from the last election, which was a surprise for everybody. There's still people angry here too. So we're all yeah. just getting angry. Yeah, it is. That's exactly it. Yeah. Um, we're just angry. <laughs> yeah. That's so true. Okay. Let me throw a couple more at you. You still doing okay? Yeah, 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 fine, fine. Okay, good. It's good as give me a break from this mix because it's a very complicated mix and I can only listen to it for a short time and then it becomes just a blur. So I, I I'll go back to it in a, in a little while and be able to see the, see the light, hopefully, and find out what I've done wrong. I get it. Um, okay, let me throw a couple more names at you. One, Fine Young Cannibals, The Raw and the Cooked. That was their breakthrough and then there was nothing else after that.
know, there was something else, but they probably did all right out of that record. I would think so, yeah. Huge yeah. hits. I think years ago they, they made another record, actually. Uh, they did not. Um, oh. They made a remix. They put out a remix album. And, oh. uh, but that was it. And maybe you had something to do with the remix album. No, I didn't. Okay. Okay. <laughs> did you work closely enough to them that you could get an idea as to why they would separate after all this huge success no, and then never no, be very brief. My, I, I think it was only a day. Oh, I think I mixed three or four tracks in a day. It might've been two. I seem to remember it was very quick though, but um, good thing. Yeah, oh no, I think, uh, I can't remember. Did they come in a few, a week or two later with good things? All excited that they had a, had it placed in the movie. There was placed in a movie, wasn't it? It was. It was called Ten Men. Ten Men. That's right. Yep. And they came and they said, "Quick, we've got to get this across to the, the film company." And uh, they did a quick piano solo. The piano solo mm -hmm. was done really quickly, probably wow. one or two takes. Wow. And then we mixed it. In another one that was mixed in two or three hours. You know, crazy. <laughs> yeah. Crazy. Yeah, it was just it's just happening, you know. You were all the chemistry's all good, you know. You're tuned into the track, you know. You want it to, they want it to sound, and it's just one of those things. I say that was really quick, but uh, Sleeping Satellite was really actually the mix wasn't slow, but the record making was mm. long. -winded. Okay, I pushed it. I pushed it a bit Trevor like on that one. Really? Um, yeah. I remember I spent, uh, Wix was with me and I had um, Charlie Morgan. Do you know Charlie Morgan, drummer? I don't think so. I don't think so. He, he was Elton's drummer for a long time. Oh, okay. And he was also drummer on the Nick Kershaw stuff. Mm. Really great drummer, still a good friend. Uh, and we were doing the hi-hat part to Sleeping Satellite and I had this vision in my mind, which might have been wrong, it might have been right, I think we spent a day and a half on the hi-hat part. <laughs> and Wix and Charlie are looking at me and going, Jules, it's not going to make any difference. <laughs> said, no, I'm determined. I'm going to make this hi-hat the part that, you know, fits the uh -huh. song. Uh-huh. Anyway, probably wouldn't have made any difference in the end. The tunes, uh, you know, if you haven't got a yeah. good tune, you're stuffed. You mentioning the hi-hat, uh, there was a song I wanted to ask you about, specifically Shock the Monkey.
because uh, I think you mixed that. And if I remember correctly, I just talked to Jerry Murata, who was Peter's drummer around this time. Oh, and yeah, yeah. I believe there was, he. Uh, Peter felt strongly for a little while there that he wanted no cymbals, no yes, drum yes. cymbals. Well, that was a Kate Bush thing too. Really? They must have got together and decided they weren't going to have any symbols on their on their records. Yeah. What What goes? In, what's the thinking behind? Why do you have any I idea? They just probably had. They probably just decided. Okay. You know? <laughs> That's <laughs> I wild. Remember coming to mix uh, Hounds of Love, and I and I I said to Kate, "There's no symbols on this record." She said, "Oh no, we don't have symbols." <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> Man, so that's obviously something they colluded with together. Yeah. Okay. Band symbols. Yeah. Band Weird. Them. Yeah. So um, you you mixed Shock the Monkey. Yeah, I mixed it with his engineer, whose name I can't remember. Was that um, the engineer that recorded it? Was it Hugh Padgham that did that one? No, 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 no. It was an older bloke. Yeah, I mixed it with this other bloke. He sort of helped me along. Because okay. I was quite, I was quite green at that point, but I remember I was sitting in the studio at ten o'clock in the morning. I'd been in, I'd set everything up, and I'm sitting there having a smoke and a cup of coffee. And this bloke walked in with his gear. And I said, "I'll oh, just throw it over there, mate." And uh, he said, "Yeah, no problem, no problem." Anyway, that was Peter. <laughs> <Really>? <laughs> so I had to laugh. Wow, yeah. that's he, wild. He didn't care. I want to ask you about a couple of remixes that you did, and I don't know for sure if when you're remixing something, if the artist is there. So maybe there's a story not, here, maybe there's not. Not always. Okay. Well, if there's not, we'll just skip over it. But um, mm. you worked, uh, you did a remix, I believe, with Scritti Politti. Oh, yeah, they were there. <laughs> they were there. Okay, yeah, yeah. tell me about Scritti Politti. <laughs> Yes, Green Gartside is probably my number one wish guest because I find him so interesting. The trajectory yeah. of his career, the fact yeah. that he disappeared. Um, yeah. What was he like to work with? And what did you do? Really Eva? great, really great. I did, uh, what did I do? The word is girl. No, the girl. Uh, oh, yeah. Um, uh, hang girl. on. I'll look it up on iTunes. I think it's the word girl. 
The Word Girl. The Word yeah. Girl. Well, there was another one which wasn't quite as good, I didn't think, with a, with a, with a rapper, with a Jamaican rapper on it. Okay. Uh, I can't remember what it was. I'm but the Word Girl, I did a, an extended mix. It was really great, really great working with them. Yeah, and the American guy, what was the American guy's name? The sidekick. Yeah, I don't remember. But Green, yeah. to me, seems like a guy with a lot of opinions. Uh, don't remember the opinions. Okay. I wondered if he was kind of micromanaging you or looking over your shoulder, watching your every move as you work on his stuff, or is he a little not, more lighthearted than that? Not really intense. Okay. Kate was much more intense than that. Oh, yeah. Kate was right on your case every every second, and and some of the yes boys too. Uh, Chris okay. was very. Chris had dog's ears. Yeah. Oh, Jules, you haven't moved that fader quite the right amount at that at that second in the song, if you know what I mean. Gosh. <laughs> <laughs> it was nice. Day. That's great. Um, if, if quite fr frustrating to be with. <laughs> I could see that. Yeah. Um, you and did no, a remix. It was pretty easy going. Good. Easy going. I mean, he knew what he wanted. Right. It wasn't. It wasn't full on by any means. It was pretty easy okay. going, actually. Okay. Yeah. He just seems like a complicated guy to me, and I wondered what he was like to work with. He won't talk to me. I've tried to get him on here many, many times. And really? Yeah, he doesn't like to do interviews, and so his people are always kind of telling me to go away. It's too oh. bad. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he seemed uh, right to me. Okay, uh, yeah. what about Simple Minds? Uh, I didn't meet any. I actually, I, funnily enough, I met Simple Minds when before they were stars. They oh. came to do some demos at Psalm when I was a youngster, mm -hmm. and I got to know Charlie quite well at that point. Nice. Uh, we got we seemed to hit it off. I always seemed to hit it off with Scots Scotsman. <laughs> well with the Scots maybe because I had Scottish blood in me I don't know maybe. but uh, yeah me and Charlie hit it off and you know a year or two later they were megastars yeah okay but that mix of let there be love was a a, a 12 inch uh, an extended mix I did for Steve Lipson
Funnily enough, I was looking for a copy of that the other day, and I haven't got a copy of that either. Huh. What was that album called? It's called um, uh, Real Life. Well, there's a band called Real Life, isn't there? Yep. Uh, Australian. I've had them on here, too. <laughs> yep. But yeah, Simple Minds album with uh, Let There Be Love was called Real Life. I think it came out in 91. Yeah, that was a great track to mix. I had real good, good. fun doing that one. Good. I love them. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I saw them here a few years ago. Oh, six years ago. They were amazing. If if a little bit loud and not enough vocals, I really wanted to go and punch the, the live mix engineer because it wasn't... Really? Yeah, it was, I couldn't hear any vocal. Huh. It was really annoying, actually, and it was way too loud. Interesting. Yeah. I saw them just last year, and it was the first time I'd seen them in about 25 years, and um, I loved it. But I was on, like, the fifth row or something like that, so I was pretty close to the action. It uh, felt okay yeah. with me. Sometimes it's actually louder back in the, you know, further back where you get yeah. the full other speakers yeah see maybe. that's okay. right did i do a mix of see the lights yes i think i did ah and let there be love okay that's, yeah really Classics. great good okay yeah. um and then one more uh that you may have only remixed talk talk living in another world shouldn't have done it i couldn't think, resist it at the time because this one another one of my favorite albums me too uh and really i shouldn't have i shouldn't have done it but anyway you live and learn there was a lot of controversy because their label put out a remix album that yeah. they wanted squashed that's and right it caused all this problem all these problems is that yeah. the remix that you worked on that's one yes <laughs> oh boy yeah they weren't happy about that no, and then they did that record with Phil Brown. Do you know Phil? I don't know if I know Phil. Well, Phil, you should get him on the show. He's fantastic. I will. I'll find him. Look him up. Just Google him. He's, okay. a, he's a friend of mine. 
Uh, he's he's actually worked with Little Feet, unbelievably. Oh, good. He, he's got a great book out too called Are We Still Rolling? <laughs> <laughs> good, I'll look it up. Which is a double meaning, of course. Sure. Uh, uh, yeah, look up Phil Brown. He's a, he's a lovely guy, a bit older than me, and lots of uh, fantastic stories to tell. Okay. I will. But, uh, yeah. Okay. A good bloke. It shouldn't be fun to talk, talk. Yeah. That's that, uh, the, you live and learn. That song is uh, a ma- they Everything they did is, a, is basically a masterpiece. The trajectory of their career from beginning to end is unlike anyone else that's ever been. Yeah, yeah, and uh, I just love them, and I was really sad that Mark le- died. He was, he was my dream interview, but he's everyone's dream interview because he disappeared for so long. You know, that's right. Yeah. Well, yeah. Phil, the the second album, the one that was sticking the finger up at the record company. Yeah. Okay. What was it called? Well, there was. Uh, it's my life. Yeah. And then there was Color of Spring that had that's the original Living in the One in the yeah. World. Yep. And then they went. And then they got really weird. And they went with Spirit yeah, of Eden and Laughing Stock. Okay. Yeah. Phil did the weird one. Yep, that makes yeah. sense. Okay. Yeah. But having said that, Phil did a lot of normal stuff too. Well, he wasn't just doing weird stuff. Definitely, okay. definitely worth giving him a yell. He's a lovely bloke. Okay. I'll find him. And actually, I, I love. I love it. I learned a lot off him when he mm. came to engineer at a couple of things at Sam when I was young. I learned a few few important lessons from him okay i will look him up i love talking to people like you so if it's anything like this i'll i will love it yeah Um, yeah. lots of good stories okay uh let me throw just a couple more i know i keep saying that but we're almost done mark almond tenement symphony tenement symphony what's that yeah you know this was uh i believe it was produced at sarm i think uh i think Lipson may have done it. I know Trevor, I believe, executive produced it. It had a song called Jackie on it that was a remake of a Jacques Brel song that Scott Walker had done. Does any of this ring a bell to you? No, no. I did a remix of the Mark Armand mega single. No, but it I... wasn't Jackie. It sort of rings a bell. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I might have done that. Did I do that? It says you did, but I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, maybe I did do it. Jesus. Right. <laughs> it does ring a bell. Okay. It's very, very back in the back of my mind, though. Crikey. <laughs> I'll tell you another funny thing. I got uh, sent this... Uh, sent a track by some uh, a lady and I thought uh, to do a, an extended mix of mm-hmm. I thought oh geez this is a really good track what a great voice anyway I mixed this thing and sent it off and a few months later somebody said oh did you do that 12 inch mix of the girl from ABBA hmm uh, really uh, uh, what's, what was her name Anna Ag- Agnatha, or so, I, I always say it wrong. Yeah, well, I, I didn't know their names, did I? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I didn't know that it was her. Until wow. After I'd done it. Anyway, it was good fun. That's wild. Put her on um, the. I should actually add it to my uh, artist list now, shouldn't I? You should, yeah. 
Good. Uh, yeah, I should. Yeah. Okay. Um, <laughs> okay. Let me throw. I'm. I'm curious if you remember this one, Underworld, the band Underworld. Oh, yeah, Underworld. And the album's called Change the Weather. Look at these eyes. Admit that you're killing me, but you can never see the damage that you do. Look at this fool and tears on his stupid knees. You treat me like disease. How can I please you? I change the weather. I change the weather for you now. I change the weather. I get down on my knees and pray for you. I change the weather. I change the weather for you now. I change the weather. I get down on my knees forever. I did a couple of mixes, one mix maybe. I don't remember. I haven't got a copy of it. Change the Weather was the big hit off of that. Well, big relatively, you know, big on alternative radio. And Mercy was also another song that got some radio oh, play. I must have the wrong thing. Oh, Underneath the Radar. Here we go. Yeah, that was the album before that. And then they did, and Rupert Hine produced that one. And then they did yeah. change the weather. And then they changed everything. And Underworld went off to be like a techno, you know, EDM type group. And Pioneers. That's right. They did. Because I got confused. Because I remembered when I I did do a mix for them. I don't know what the which track it was. Do you? Okay. No, that's why I was yeah. asking you. I was curious. Yeah, I can't remember. And then I, I remember hearing something else from them. It was all techno. And I thought, yeah. is that the same band? Yeah. Yeah, they changed direction. They had a big hit with Born Slippy, which That's was right. on the Train Spotting soundtrack. That's right. Yeah. 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 They probably spent a couple of hours doing that. <laughs> I it seems think so. All the ones from the movies are done in like a few seconds, you know, not yeah. don't spend weeks recording them. Yeah. Anyway. I can see that. Okay. <laughs> well, I uh, I mean, there's more, but I, can, I should just... Just give us one more, and then I'll better go and check my okay. next. Okay, let me see here. Um, tell us about Aztec Camera. Oh, I loved Aztec Camera. Yes. Another another very talented man. Yes. I love Blake. And that was a lovely album, the one I mixed. I did a couple of – I did a bit of stuff before I mixed that album, which was called – what was it called? Stray. Was that it? No, well, there's there were a couple, but yeah, 1990, you remixed an album of theirs called Stray that had the crying scene on it, which was kind of a hit, and the song Stray. Good Morning Britain was on there. I don't think I did that, actually. Oh, it's on, according to allmusic.com, you did. And then there was one called Dreamland that came out in 93. That's Ryuichi Sakamoto one. Ah, yes. That's yes. the one. I loved that album. Okay. 
Yeah, yeah, I loved mixing that and I loved the, loved the record. Hey baby, baby, bring your love to me Repeats the radio relentlessly All day I dream a dream of feelings free Free from The sweetest sound reflects in saddened eyes Defies description and identifies the heart that hungers for the sudden skies The soul's migration Because he seems like another one of these artists that's very singular, you know? Yeah, he's, he's a very, very nice, gentle, uh, slightly fragile bloke. I could see that. I could see yeah. that. Okay. Very like That's where I met my wife. Really? Mixing that dr dream album. Huh. Yeah, I used to, it was done at uh, Hook End Studios, which used to be Dave Gilmore's studio. Ah. Uh -huh. Then became Lang and Wing Stanley Studio, and then Trevor and Jill bought it. And I was mixing that record there, and I just remember these two girls bringing in my lunch and falling in love with my black Labrador. <laughs> and little did I know that I'd marry one of them. And actually, <laughs> here now, the, the sister-in-law is here. She just arrived yesterday. Crazy. <laughs> That's crazy, isn't it? Yes. Yeah, my, my wife's still here too. Good for you, man. Good for you. We're still together, unbelievably. That's great. Even though she's got horses. <laughs> Good for you. Okay, yeah. well, look, let's close it with this. I've asked so many questions of you and the music that really matters to me. To get, tell me two things. Number one, tell me your favorite story, something relating to, I don't know, if you met a hero or a funny story someone told you or something that happened in a studio somewhere. Something, uh, whatever it is. What's your favorite uh, story? I think I've told you. Have told you one of them, haven't I? The falling I, asleep of Squire. Well, yeah, that's that's pretty classic. Yeah. Uh, the, the best one. The, another Chris Squire was that his roadies used to set his watch ten hours fast. Seriously, because <laughs> he was always a day late. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's classic. That, was a good one okay um, another story working with paul mccartney wasn't a story that was just an amazing experience yeah although linda used to warn us sometimes that he got out of bed in the wrong side mm. he used to she'd say watch out he's got out of the wrong side of bed this morning <laughs> <laughs> i would imagine paul even on one of those days is still 
nicer than most people are when they get off on the road. So lovely Blake. Well, we went to his gig. It took my daughter and my daughter's friend, who's had a very very uh, tough life. Uh, I took her to see uh, McCartney here at the end of seventeen, and uh, little Laura, who's the girl who's had the hard life. I took her up. We went up with Wicks to to the dressing room, and Paul was there, and he was just so lovely to the two girls. It was just, yeah. I mean, and there's this girl, Laura, never been to a gig in her life, mm. never met anybody remotely famous, and here, you know, here she is mm-hmm. meeting Paul McCartney, and he was lovely to her and gave her all these bits and pieces, and yeah, it was. Brought tears to my eyes. Actually, it was a really emotional, really emotional moment for you know uh, for her to give her something special for once. That's just what you want to hear. Yeah. Um, and what about a song? We always close these things out. We're going to play a song at the end of the episode. Yeah. I would pick something that I like that you've done, but why don't you pick it? Of of everything, what's a well, song, whether we know it or not, that you are especially proud of? Where you're like, I. That one means a lot to me, and I don't think enough people know it. It's probably of somebody I've—I can't think of anything right off off the top of my head. I'll leave it to you. Okay, okay. I'll play uh, something that I really like. Though. Tasman Archer was pretty special. I could tell. You've mentioned her a few times. That sounds like something was, that really meant a lot to you. Very, very special uh, voice for me. Uh, I have been—I do have been doing albums with this local band, The Glorious. Been doing that since. Oh, we've been, I've been at it 10 years now. We've just released an EP hmm. uh, called Lines, which is pretty good. Very okay. retro, very retro, very melodic, good voice, very simple. Good. So Glorious are well worth a listen. Good. Want- we'll close it out with some Glorious then. If, if you can find it. I'll see if I can find it. Yeah. The glorious- if not, maybe you can send me a file or something. Yeah, well, let me know if you want me to send something. Okay. Okay. Right, mate, it was lovely well, to speak to you. Julian, if you can't tell, you mean a lot to me. Thank you so much for talking with me. You've touched so much music that matters and has impacted my life in, a, in the best way. It's so thank you for everything you've put in this world. Yes. Very kind of you. There you have it, Julian Mendelssohn. We are so lucky to hear from people like him. Uh, that I know that went on long, and it was probably, it may only be interesting to people like me and people who love that kind of music at that time. But you just never know. They've touched so much good stuff, so you just keep throwing the names out there and see what kind of stories come back. And sometimes they remember, and sometimes they don't, and sometimes you remember better than they do. Like in this case, I don't know. Uh, I just thought it would be fun, and I loved him for talking with me. I figured we should close it out with a, a song by that band he mentioned, The Glorious. This is called I Can't Lose. Very different from the 80s techie, you know, synthy stuff that he worked on back in the day, but... Uh, this I really like this song, and this album is good. So check it out if you can. I found it on YouTube. Um, anyway, huge thanks, to, as always, to my right-hand man, Yan the Man, Makiewicz, for all that you do. Thank you, buddy. This one I know took a lot of work. So thanks for all the hard work you put into producing these fantastic episodes for us. Next week, we are hearing from 
This one is a lot is another one of those musicians, kind of like Jerry Murata that we heard from recently, who worked with all kinds of people. And so we get to run through the whole resume again and hear all kinds of th- stories. So I know you guys, I hear from all of you, I know that you love those kinds of episodes. That's what's coming up next week. Now you know how to find us on Facebook. You can like our page. You can send us a message on there. You can send us an email at thehustlepod at gmail.com, or you can find us on Twitter at thehustlepod. We will be back next Tuesday. Thank you, everybody. We love you. 